Anyway, we're, in, we're talking about the parables, and Jesus is in that uh, section of Scripture where the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit has happened. Uh, the nation has fully rejected Jesus. He has multiple, multiple times demonstrated that he is Messiah. He is the real Savior. He is the real deal. He has healed people. He's raised the dead. He's, he's cast out demons. He has entered into Satan's domain, has done what no man has ever done because he's the man God. He is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're talking about a kingdom that is coming. Three parables of the kingdom. Now we're going to be talking about the wheat and the tares, the mustard seed, and leaven. Now you can't miss the meaning of the wheat and the tares because Jesus is going to tell us flat out. But the mustard seed and the leaven, there are two different ways that you could look at it, and you're going to hear my way, since I'm the one that's doing the teaching. But anyway, there's a lot of good teachers that view it differently than I do, so that's just a little heads up. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God. We honor God by standing when we read His Word. We believe this is the inerrant, infallible Word of the living God that has given us to allow us to know more and more about Him. So starting in Chapter 13, verse 24 through 43. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like... Now, he do this five times. The kingdom of heaven is like... And he goes on to say, A man who sowed good seed in the field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir... Did you, not know, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said, then, said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you, want, do, you, do you want us to then go out and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, which are angels, First gather together the tares, bind them in bundles, burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Another parable he put forth to them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of God. 
Thank you. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to study your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to prepare the hearts of people that are in this room to be ready to receive from you today something special for them. Lord, every time you speak, we hear you individually. One person will hear one thing, one person will hear another thing, but oh, you're speaking to each one of our hearts. Please, Holy Spirit, let that message, let that word land on good soil that it will be received and acted upon. Thank you for this time with us, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know, the theme of, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. And we talked about the parable of the soils last week. And remember, you have to get the parable of the soils right in order to understand the other parables. Jesus said, we must understand this parable. And remember, the parable is this. The, the seed, the, the word is thrown, and some of it lands on the wayside. The trampled down paths, and it's not receptive. Folks, that's us. We've all been that soil, the hardened path where we've heard the word and we're just, just oblivious. And remember, Satan comes and steals the word. And then some of the seed lands on the rocky soil. And those are the people that get all turned on to Jesus very quickly and say, I'm going to worship Jesus and hip, hip, hooray Jesus. And when the slightest thing comes, persecution comes, they fall away from the faith. They are fruitless. They're not part of the they're not really part of the family. And then we had the more difficult one, the, the seed that fell on the thorny soil. Remember, the problem was not the soil. The problem was what was grow, growing up around the, 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 the soil, around the seed. And it was the, 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 the weeds that choked out the word. And then finally, we had the good seed, where the, soil, where the seed is sown on the good soil and the person's heart is receptive. Now, I want you to remember something. Nobody... Nobody, nobody seeks after God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeks after God. There's none who does good in the eyes of a holy God. God is always, always the initiator of salvation. And I would suggest to you that all of us have been those soils from time to time in our lives where we rejected the word. It's landed, Satan has stole the word. It's been on the rocky soil. Maybe we got all excited for a moment and fizzled away. And then most of us, and I, and I shared this last week because I'm very vulnerable, I said, I spent a lot of years in the, in the thorny soil, the carnal soil, where you would look at me and make, an, and make an observation of me, and I could pass. I could pass for looking righteous and that sort of thing, but I had all kinds of things that I had not dealt with until a crisis point in my life. And a crisis point happened, and then I said, okay, Lord, I have to be all in for you. And that's when I got into a discipleship program. That's when I started memorizing scripture, and that is when I started reading God's word daily. That changed my life. And then there was a transition from Rick Carnal to Rick Good Soil. And that soil is still in production, okay? I mean, it's <laughs> it never gets all that great here, but uh, we're on a journey, remember, to being conformed to the likeness of Christ. That's the journey that we're on. And I, I just want to remind you that all of us, again, have had hard hearts where we've rejected the word over and over, some of us. But remember what's happening. God loves you so much that the whole triunity of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are involved in your salvation. Remember, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him in John 6, The Father has to draw you. He has to do something inside of you for, you to, for your eyes to open. Otherwise, we're blinded to the truth. We're blinded to the truth. So I think that happens. I think, I think the Father draws people. 
And then, and then the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment in John 16, 8. And he is involved in salvation. He convicts. He allows you to realize this is real. And then Jesus said, if I am lifted up in John 12, I will draw all men to myself. So you have the triunity of God involved in your salvation. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for your sins. And that if you just say yes to Jesus, you will live with him forever. But if you say no to Jesus, as these parables say, you'll end up in the lake of fire where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That need not be. This is real. This is true. This is honest. This is Jesus telling us about the kingdom of God and who gets in and who doesn't. And that's where we're going to be today. Now, we talked about last week. I want you to do something different, and I want to try to remember to do this every week. But I would like you to do something special right now. I would like you for one short period of time to prepare your heart to receive what God has specifically for you today. He speaks to each one of us when we go to the word. And God will speak to you. So I'm asking you for just a moment, close your eyes, put the world aside, and say, Lord, what do you want me to receive from you today? Just a moment. So, Lord, open our eyes that may, we may see the wonders in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So he starts out in, in verses 24 through 30. The wheat and the tares deals with judgment. Now, he's going to repeat this later. Now, you know I usually go line upon line and go through this scripture again and that sort of thing. But for time, we'll go, we'll go through Jesus' interpretation of this in just a few minutes. But I'll tell you what this is about. He starts out with the kingdom of heaven is like. And again, there's five similes here. Five similes. Like or as is a simile. And it's a figure of speech to compare two dissimilar things using like or as. He's, he's going to continue his, his theme of the soils. Some are saved, and I believe the thorny soil and the good soil, and many are lost. And remember, the majority of people aren't going to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said that the... That the that Few will come into the family of God. Few are really going to believe in him. That's the tragedy. And I think that even gets worse towards the end of the age, which I believe that we're in now. We can see the second coming of Christ to be imminent. It'll become less and less then. The greatest harvest of souls will happen in the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 7, where there's from a massive number of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be saved. I don't think we're going to be in that. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And I'm very, very hopeful that I am right on this. As you know, there's, there's disagreement about that. So remember the tares. The tares look like wheat. Now, the tares are unbelievers. They're planted by the enemy. The tares look like wheat, the genuine. They sound like wheat. They smell like wheat. But folks, they are not wheat. The wheat are genuine believers in Jesus Messiah. The tares are false believers. And the church is full of people that think they're Christians, but they're not. And you cannot tell them apart until the harvest. Now, I have a couple pictures. You've seen this picture before, or one similar to it. A weed and the tares. This is the genuine. This would be the lost person. They look very much alike. Very much alike. And then we have the next picture. At the, at the judgment, at the harvest, he calls, then you can tell the difference. The weed and the tares look very different. 
God sees the tares just like this. We see the tares oftentimes like this because we cannot see what God sees, but God sees the heart of every single person. He knows those who are his. You cannot fool God. You cannot fool him. Now, please note this, that the enemy sowed, sowed the tares amongst the good, a good, the good crop. And the enemy has done this, it says in verse 28, mixed unbelievers with believers in any group, in any group. Now, I would say not so much in a church like this. I'm not trying to stroke ourselves or anything. I mean, if you're going to listen to somebody like me, you're more than likely going to be a believer. Because <laughs> you cannot stand what I'm saying if you're not a believer. But anyway, uh, but in, in most churches that, you know, are seeker friendly and all about your best life now and all about your health and wealth and that sort of thing, it's full of people that are non-believers. And I would imagine there are unbelievers here too, but it, 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 that's what's happening here. At the harvest, at the judgment, the truth will come out. Remember, you cannot hide from God. You cannot fool God. You can't flim-flam God. God sees the heart of every person. And the tares are burned and the wheat will be in, will be in, in Jesus' barn or in his family and in heaven forever with him. So now the mustard seed. Now hear this one. This is where it gets con more controversial. Verse 31, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in, the, in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now, again, there's many views on what the mustard seed is. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now, the mustard seed is a little teeny itsy bitsy seed planted in the ground and it grows. Now, I have a couple pictures to help you with this. I want you to see how big this seed is. That is a tiny little seed that oftentimes grows into a mustard tree or the next one, a giant mustard plant. But out of this comes a lot. Now, this has caused some speculation in Christendom. Is this referring to the kingdom of God growing into a monstrosity with uh, satanic elements being put in it and that sort of thing? Uh, many people claiming to be Christians. But my focus is going to be, and that would be a Chuck Missler view. Now, a lot of people know Chuck Missler. He is a brilliant man, and that is his view on this. But I'm not walking lockstep with Chuck on this one. So, you might want to listen to Chuck, or you can listen to this. But So, our focus is, will be this, and this is how I thought it played out, the, at least the best in my mind. The kingdom starts small and expands and encompasses the entire world. Now, remember, it started with Jesus. Then he had a few disciples. Then they got up to 12 disciples. Then he had all kinds of other disciples that he sent out two by two. And remember the 70 went out. And then you get in the book of John that his disciples decide to leave him when he gives them some tough teaching on the bread of life. Eat my body, drink my blood, and that sort of thing. And then they leave. They're left with the 12. Judas hasn't betrayed them yet. So from those 12, after Judas departed, then, then you get another one uh, that, that is added on later. But this gospel has been spread throughout the entire world. And I want to show you the influence of this. So the next picture is going to be from the nation of Israel right here on the Mediterranean Sea, this little area the size of New Jersey. From that, 12 men 
went out into this area, mostly into Turkey and that sort of thing, northern Africa, and spread the gospel. From there, the gospel has spread throughout the whole world, throughout the whole world. These are Islamic countries who have rejected the gospel. There, this is Islam, and this is also, right here you'll see Hinduism, and another picture in just a second, China is atheistic. So we have the next picture that's going to come up, and this is pretty significant. This is the 1040 window. This is where the predominant population of people throughout the world exist that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And again, this encompasses Islam, Hinduism, and atheist, atheism, where people just don't believe in Jesus or don't believe in a God whatsoever. So with those pictures in mind, listen to these following words. Many men and women, folks, have given their lives to further the gospel. Christians throughout the world are despised by the world, by the world system. You have to realize this. Jesus makes such a difference in people's lives that they are willing to lay down their lives for the master. They'll lay down their lives for the master. And literally, you're living in a time, and you've heard me before, and I've, if you've been here any length of time whatsoever, you know that more people are being martyred now, more Christians martyred now than at any time in the history of the world. Why? Because the enemy is getting desperate. He wants to eliminate any opposition to him that he can, he can eliminate. So they're killing Christians all over. Now, Christians are being killed not because they are rebellious citizens, not because they are overthrowing governments. They're being killed because they have belief in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they simply tell their neighbor, about Jesus. The only way to salvation is through Jesus. Remember, all world religions are in the kingdom of darkness. Now, this isn't popular today. That'll, that'll get you a lot of shame. Shame on you. But it's the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. In Timothy, it says there's one mediator, one messites, one go-between, between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. There's one. There's one. The world will try to tell you there's many. No, Jesus said there's only one way, and I think we can trust Jesus to tell us the truth. Remember, Satan is the god of this age. He's the, world, he's the ruler of this world system, and he hates the people of God. Now, who are the people of God? Well, the Jewish people the Israel would be the people of God. He hates them, and all through history has tried to eliminate them. Many times they've been tried to be eliminated. And he also hates Christians. He hates the bride of Christ. He hates the wife of Jehovah. So I want to show you the map of what's happening in the world today. This, this next map is the area of greatest persecution that is happening in the world. And ironically, it's the 1040 window. Now, this is, this is where Catholicism predominates, and, and there's a lot of... Uh, persecution of whoever isn't a Catholic here. But throughout this main part of the world, this is Islam and Hinduism and atheistic uh, communism that predominates here. And this is where most of the lost people are. And this is where the lowest standard of living is in the whole world. The gods of the world love places like this. But notice what it does to its people. The poverty level is off the charts in many of these places where God has been accepted and God has been beloved, these are prospered. Europe had prospered. Now this is changing as America has 
jettisoned the true God and allowed the gods of the world, this world, to come across the sea. And you're going to see big changes here in America. You cannot jettison the true God and think you're going to keep your same standard of living. It will not happen. It will not happen. We will become like the rest of the world. There will be bastions of people, little, little segments, but I believe persecution will increase. Now, the next slide are the top 10 countries of persecution. Now, the significant thing here is Afghanistan was the second fastest growing Christian nation per capita on the face of the earth after Iran. Iran was number one. And now, after the Biden exit, this is the most persecuted group. And these people are actually running for their lives from the Taliban and from those people that are in Afghanistan. The other thing I want you to note here, these, these countries are all Islamic or, or, or atheistic communism, but India is Hindu. India, the important thing here is India used to be far down the list, but Hinduism is becoming more and more radical. And it's not just the Christians, it's the Sikhs, it's the Muslims, it's anybody that isn't a Hindu that they are killing with impunity, or not killing with it, but they're, they're persecuting in India. So that has raised up to, to level number Number 10, and I found that to be interesting. So you get the picture that will be coming up here. Christianity has grown not without sacrifice. Men and women of God have gone throughout the world and risked their lives to simply give the gospel message that Jesus loves you. He wants you to be in his family. If you just believe and receive the gift of salvation, you can be saved. And they die for that. This isn't rebellion against governments. This isn't overthrowing and toppling uh, kingdoms and that sort of thing. It is simply telling people about the love of Jesus Christ. And it costs their lives. Now, the parable of the leaven, verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. Now, it looks like a simple statement, and you're going through this, and if you're going through your reading through the book of Matthew, you just blast right through this. You won't even think about leaven. You say, oh, I guess that's about leaven, whatever it means. Just move on to something else. But this is significant. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Some believe that leaven is used in a good sense, and others believe it's evil. It's that dual thing again. Some believe good, some believe evil. Now, the good view is the spread of the gospel throughout the world. They equate it with the mustard seed that it's going to be spread out throughout the world. Others believe the leaven represents evil and will grow. There will be many who will profess Christ, but not possess Christ. So that's the view here. The evil view is what will be our focus today. The evil view. And the reason, we're going to get into why it is here in just a second. Uh, the, if you notice that the kingdom is hidden in measures of meal. I ask you a question. When did Jesus ever say to hide the kingdom? No. No, we are to be out there telling people, remember, remember the Great Commission, go, go and tell everybody about me. Go and preach the gospel. You know, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey all things I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always to the end. It was always go, always tell. It was never hidden, never hidden, volitionally hidden. So the evil view will be our focus. Now, the woman hides a lemon in the meal, parallels the enemy sowing tares in the wheat. The woman in Scripture, listen to this, represents a religious system. 
Israel, the wife of Jehovah, the church, the bride of Christ. And remember in Revelation 17, the great harlot that will come on the scene, the woman in, in, in Revelation 17, is a false religious system that comes to power in the tribulation period that the whole world is forced to take on themselves. The whole world will take that on. It's called the great harlot, the mother of harlots in the first half of the tribulation. The interesting thing is at the beginning of the tribulation, if you remember our teaching in Revelation, is that the Antichrist supports this system. He's all in with this system. He hasn't risen to complete power yet. But at the three and a half year point, when he reaches his peak of power, he says, into this system, into this system, I want all worship directed towards me. So watch what happens here in Revelation 13, 12. The false prophet rises up and directs all worship to the Antichrist. It says this in verse 12. The false prophet will exercise all authority of the first beast, that's the Antichrist, in his presence cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. So people on the earth will actually be deceived and think they're worshiping something good. He will insist on this. The false prophet then will perform great signs and wonders. He deceives those who dwell on the earth. Now remember, we have the satanic trinity. The satanic trinity. That Remember, Satan is a copycat. Where Satan tries to mimic the father. The antichrist, the son, the genuine son, and the false prophet, the Holy Spirit. Now if you recall, the Holy Spirit always directs worship to Jesus. He never takes any glory upon himself. The false prophet is directing worship to the Antichrist, the false son. That is what is happening here. Now, I want you to think about something. The, 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 the religious system will be absolutely hated by the Antichrist. Now, it seems to me that leaven is evil as we grow closer to the end of the age. True believers will be few and far between. We talked about this in our men's group yesterday apostates will abound. Now, I'll tell you the definition of apostates in just a second, but apostate, well, I'll just tell you now, they, they're the ones that fall away, not genuine, okay? I'm going to go through three verses here. Revelation 3, 7, 17, Matthew 24, 12, and 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. I also want you to remember this. When you see the word leaven, I would like you to think Sin. Leaven, sin. Leaven, sin. That'll help you with this. Now, in Revelation 3.17, watch what Jesus says to the last church, the Laodicean church, the church in apostasy, which will permeate the world prior to Jesus coming back. That is what we see today, folks, a church in apostasy permeating the Western world in particular, not so much in Iran and the persecuted places. You can't be a half-in Christian there. You've got to be sold out for Christ to be in a persecuted environment. But where we have soft Christianity, that's the Laodicean church. Watch what he says. Be, watch what this church thinks about themselves. Because you say, Laodiceans, I am rich. Folks, that's puffed up. That's pride. Have become wealthy. What is the focus of most churches? Remember we said this. Nickels and noses. Nickels and noses, money and numbers, money and numbers. Do whatever you can to get the numbers up to pay for this great big building that we have. And have need of nothing. 
and do not know. Now watch how Jesus views them. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They are not covered with the righteousness of Christ. Now Matthew 24, 12 talks about the end of the age. Watch what this is. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Now look, there's been lawlessness all through the history of humanity. Cain killed his brother Abel. I mean, there's been bad things happening. But what we see here is where lawlessness is accepted as the norm. You've never seen in any culture where a government has said, go ahead and riot and tear those, tear those cities apart. You have never seen that before. This is a, this is a one-off. You have never seen that in the history of the world where governments would say, oh, just tear it down. Just tear it. No, that doesn't happen. Lawlessness will abound. And then finally, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 says this. This will be a sign of what's happening around you. Let no one deceive you. Now, remember, Satan is a deceiver. He is always wants to deceive you to believe the lie and not the truth. That's how it works. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, now the Thessalonian church thought the rapture had come. The church had been extracted and they were left. They were in a panic. And that day is the tribulation period. That day will not come. You're not in the tribulation, Thessalonian church. Why? Because the falling away comes first. The apostasy comes first. The falling away of, of, of true believing. What we are seeing today in the church in the West in particular is apostasy a falling away from the true faith. People embracing whatever they want to embrace to make them feel good. Folks, the church was never, ever, 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 ever meant to embrace the world in its world's ways. It was never meant for that. It's the antithesis of that. Actually, the church is a sanctuary from the world. This is where you come to escape the world. World think. World values, that sort of thing. The church, church was never meant to blend. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 17, Paul is teaching, he's telling believers not to be unequally yoked with anything in the world, really, with unbelievers. Watch what he says. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? None. And what communion has light with darkness? None. And what accord has Belial, that is the worthless one, with Christ? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now watch what he says here. For you are the temple of the living God. God dwells in you. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit entered into you, gave your dead spirit life, and allowed you to commune and be in fellowship with the holy God. What fellowship has a temple of the living God with all this evil? Then he says in verse 17, the message, come out from them and be separate. We are to be different from the world. We're not to be like the world. We are to love the people in the world, try to have them come into the family of God, but folks, we are not to emulate, be like in any way, shape, or form this world system that is under the control of the evil one. We are not to do that. So our world 
and think about America, has jettisoned the true God for the false gods. Remember the zeitgeist spirit, the spirit of the age. Now, Christian people, Christian nations, heretofore Christian nations, are falling for this like mad. The spirit of the age. Jonathan Kahn has written a book, Return of the Gods. And what he's meaning by that book is, is that the false gods, the demonic elements you see in that 1040 window, and how those people live, poverty, just abject, miserable living, that's what those gods will bring you, promising you the sky and giving you that. You have a picture right there of what the false gods will give. Now, Jonathan Kahn's book, and I believe this, and I think you've heard me say this, America has jettisoned the true God, and it leaves a vacuum. Remember our teaching last week, last time was, we talked about as the demon, demon was cast out, more de- and it was left empty, swept clean, and in comes to that vacuum a whole tribe of other demons. That's what we can expect in this country. It will happen because we've jettisoned the true God, and notice what we hear today. Evil is called good. Good is called evil. Our universities are embracing this. Our people are embracing these concepts that are so foreign, so foreign to anything that we've known before. Now, watch what happens. Watch what happens. The church in apostasy cloak their falling away in God talk and Jesus speak and love. You hear that? God talk, Jesus speak and love. I have a question for you. What is love? Now, we know that love can be a feeling. We know that eros love is what gets you husbands and wives together. Okay, you're just, that's that sexual attraction thing. Then there's the phileo love, which is friendship love. And then there's agape love. It's the love that God has for his people. It's unconditional love. But notice what unconditional love is. This is Zadiati's Greek text, his definition of agape. It's benevolent love. Not shown by doing what the person loved desires, but what the one loved needs. Did you hear that? Not what they desire, but what the, if you love me, you would allow me to do this. If you love me, you could, I could go to Cancun on spring break, dad. If you love me, I could go with my, no, you cannot. I love you. You're not going. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave the giving God gave, he sacrificed his son on a cross to be, to be brutalized for each one of us. That if we only believe and receive the gift, we could be saved. So many people say, I love you, Jesus. Now, this is all, this is ubiquitous. This is all over the place. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. How is real love for God demonstrated? Process that for just a second. How is real love for God demonstrated? By obeying his commands, living counter to the ways of the world. The truth is this. Those who love Jesus will follow Jesus and obey Jesus. Love is much, much, much more than talk. Talk. True love is demonstrated, folks. Love is a verb. It is action. It is something we do. Now, it's great for people to say, I love you. But that's like pass the butter in our culture. Pass the butter. Love is demonstrated. Love is demonstrated. Now, watch what Jesus says. 
You think I'm just making this stuff up? John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That's an action. John 14, 21, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. That's an action. John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. An action. 1 John 5, 3, John writes this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, For this is the love of God that we keep that we keep or obey his commandments. A person cannot embrace world think, act like the world, smell like the world, sound like the world, and say, I love you, Jesus, and throw that on as a little, little tag. It doesn't work. Love is a verb. It is demonstrated as action in a person's life. Everybody got that? So I don't convulse and go into it. Okay. Now, there are many people today, I just want to take a little sidelight here. Now, we know that the, the apostasy will mark the end of the age. There are many believers, and these are true believers in Christ, but I think they have this wrong. The New Apostolic Reformation, post-millennialists. If you're Christians, post-millennial, you will understand these terms. If you're, if you're not familiar with much with the Bible, the millennium is a thousand-year reign of Christ. Christ will reign on this earth for a thousand years. I believe that's a literal kingdom with a literal king, and we'll be serving him here. Post-millennialists believe there's the millennial kingdom that we're in now, and we're making the world prepared for Jesus to come back. We're going to make the world better and better and better. Now, look around. Look around. It does not getting better. It's not getting better, but they insist it's getting better. Okay, now watch what Jesus says. He gives you a tip-off as to when he's going to come back. As the days of Noah were, also will the coming of Son of Man be. Now, what was the days of Noah like? Wickedness. Wickedness of man. Every intent and thoughts of his heart were on evil continually, calling evil good, good evil. And then he says in Luke 18.8, gives you another tip off. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I mean, this world is running from the true God, jumping into the arms of the false gods. The parable of leaven seems to me to speak of the church embracing the world. Folks, this ought not be. This ought not be. So many think they are in. So many people who claim the name of Jesus think they're in, and they are not. And it will be shocking. Now, again, we don't judge. We cannot judge. Only God judges. But folks... Judge yourself. More on that in just a few seconds. Verse 34 and 35, Jesus fulfills prophecy, speaks in parables. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. Without a parable, he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, this is Psalm 78 too, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now remember the parables are, are Jesus cloaking now his message. They have, they have rejected him. It means parabelo. It means cast alongside. So if somebody wants to understand Jesus, they're going to really have to think about what he's saying and get into it. So for the rest of his Galilean ministry, Jesus will speak in parabolic language. Now the secret, it, secrets and mysteries. Now in the Old Testament, you knew it was kind of cloaked and it was kind of covered that someone's coming. There's a rescuer coming. 
But you never knew it was God was going to send his only begotten son to be the rescue for mankind. The giving God would provide the rescue that humanity needed and he would be rejected. Rejected. Remember, he came to his own, the people, the Jewish people, and his own received him not. Summarily rejected. Now, the wheat and the tares is going to be explained, 36 through 43. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away. Remember, he's in the boat talking, and they could hear on the seashore his, his sermon. And the disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. We don't understand this, Jesus. And he answered and said to them, now listen to these words. He who sows the good seed is the son of man. That would be Jesus. The field is the entire world. So this message goes to the entire world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Those are the saved people. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. They're earth dwellers. They're ones that are caught up in this world system and they love it. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, straight out. The harvest is the end of the age, which I believe, and I think many of you believe, and by what we see in world events occurring now, is rapidly, rapidly, rapidly approaching. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, notice, burned in the fire, so will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all the world, all things that offend, and watch this, those who practice lawlessness. Now, let's take a pause. None of us is walking this thing out perfect. Notice the word practice. This is your given over to way of life. This is just the way I am. I'm just going to do what I want. I don't care what God wants. I don't care what Jesus says. I'm just, I'm a good person. I'm a good person inside. I'm really good compared to those people. But I, I, I'm going to just do it my way. Folks, that's practicing lawlessness. That's ignoring God. And we'll cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be, watch this, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And then Jesus says these words to those people hearing him then and to everyone within my voice now. Hear this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, God speaks to people at different times. He who has ears to hear. This is your time. This is your time. God's dealing with you right now. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Now, with that thought, what can we learn today from this parable? What can we learn? Well, number one, the sons of the kingdom will be sown throughout the entire world. It's not just an isolated nation, Israel, that little place. It goes through the whole world. God's kingdom will encompass the entire world, not simply a nation. In the new age of the kingdom, number two, good and evil will exist side by side, cleverly placed that way by the devil. You cannot tell one from another until the judgment. Cleverly placed by the devil. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15, gives us a clue on this. Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and his ministers as ministers of righteousness. They can fool you. They can deceive you. Scripture twisting. And then finally, the period of sowing evil amongst the good is from the ascension of Christ 
until the second coming of Christ. There will still be seeds that are sown when the church is taken away. There will still be a harvest of souls throughout the world. So it's not just the church age. It goes all the way to the second coming of Christ. So some closing thoughts. And as I've said, not everyone who says they're Christian are Christian. Scary. Many t- now listen to this. Many tares do not realize that they are tares. They don't realize they're false Christians. They rely on their religious tradition, their religious actions. If only I can take communion. If only I say these types of prayers at this time. If only I can get baptized. If I can do my religious thing, I'm okay. No, it's about relationship, folks. It's about a relationship with the living God that is only accomplished through believing and receiving the gift of salvation. That's simple. So, what is tear teaching? I was thinking about that. As, as you can tell, I've read it, written it down here. So, what is tear teaching? Well, tares, false Christians, cover what God calls an abomination with love. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the word abomination. Now, please hear this. One Hebrew word you're going to want to know for the rest of your life. To'iva. To'iva is an abomination. To'iva. It's disgusting, morally disgusting to God. The following things are covered by love are an abomination to God. Now, remember, with the nation of Israel, they were under the ceremonial law, the civil law, they had dietary laws, and they had the moral law. Now, when Jesus came, the church was established, these are done. We are still under the moral law, not for salvation, not to be good people, but this is how God wants his his world to run. He has put in place commandments, ways of doing things, demonstrating actually that you love God. If you obey his commands, then you demonstrate that you love him. Again, not for justification, not for salvation. So these following moral things are to'iva. These are permeating our culture today. Homosexual relationships covered with love. Doesn't God want me to just love someone and someone to love me? Folks, that's to'iva. That's an abomination to God. Now, we don't hate homosexuals. That's just another sin of a whole list that we all have. That's just another one. But to God, it's to'iva. But the culture has demanded, demanded that we accept that as the norm. And as the people of God, we cannot. It's not that we're intolerant of them or we hate them. We love them. We want to tell them the message that Jesus loves them. Please don't live this lifestyle. If you do, you'll be separated from God forever. It's a terrible thought. True love tells people the truth. How about homosexual marriage? That's to'iva. There's no such thing as homosexual marriage in the eyes of the true God. How about this one? Tell me if this doesn't hit you right between the eyes. How about sleeping around? Sexual immorality. That's what Jesus said. Remember, he didn't just talk about divorce for adultery. He said divorce for sexual immorality. That's pornea. That's any sexual act outside of the marriage covenant. Now, is that confusing? If if you want to have sex, you do it under the cover of the marriage covenant. Our culture has made this up. Folks, Christians sleep around like the rest of the world and think it's okay. Look, we've blended with the world. A lot of people don't know, or they just want to push it off to the side. No, it's to'iva. It's an abomination to God. 
And we, of course, transgenderism, abortion, sacrifice of children, and that sort of thing, uh, under human rights, human we, women's reproductive rights, folks, that's toiva. That's an abomination to God. Idolatry. Any false god, false religious system is toiva. Anything you put above the living God is an idol. Toiva. Occult activities. That's a plethora of these. New Age stuff, demonic spirit worship, tarot cards, Ouija board, palm readers. None of this is innocent fun. It is to'iva. It is an abomination to God. An abomination to God. And how do you like this one? They, there's a whole, you can, just keep, you can just keep going if you wanted to make you throw up. But uh, dishonest business practices. Folks, that's to'iva. To'iva, it's abomination to God. What's the big deal with to'iva, pastor? God has deemed these practices as destructive to the family and society. God is concerned about the family and to society. Tares have been planted in our world all over the place. They look like, sound like wheat, but they are tares. How does one know that they are genuine and not a tear? How do you know that? Hmm. Allow scripture to be your guide. The single requirement for salvation is to believe and receive the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers all of us who are immersed in sin. Now look, I could put my whole thing up here, to'iva. Lust, jealousy, vanity, greed, moodness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. I've been in all of them, to'iva. But Jesus saved me. He saved me. The moment I believed and said, yes, he, he, he saved me, came in and changed me. Now, it's been a slow change. Like I said, I'm like an aircraft carrier turning. It's actually turning. It takes a while. Yet all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to believe in, put your trust in him. Folks, when you say you believe in Jesus, that's written in a present tense. It's actually a present active, present tense, active voice. And what that means, it's a continuous action. If you're really in the family of God, you continue to believe until you're in heaven. That's a present tense. The active voice simply means the subject performs the action of the verb. You are the one that believes. It's not some magic thing that's done to you. You are the one that believes. That's the active voice. God prepares your heart, but you have to make the final decision. So, did you ever wonder, am I a tear? Examination. Let's go through this. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Actually, I messed you up, didn't I, Maritza? No? Okay, you rescued me. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are disqualified? Notice what it says. Examine yourself. It's not, I'm going to examine Brad. Brad's got big beard. I don't like that. He's got long hair. I don't like that. He can't be in no matter. No, that's not what we do. Self-examination. I'm, I'm not judging somebody else around me. I'm making a self-introspection. Test yourselves as Dokimoso. Are you approved as genuine? Dokimosis, you are genuine. You've been approved by God. Or disqualified. Unless you are disqualified, that is a Dokimos, not approved. Please note that this is for you to examine yourself and not others. 2 Timothy 2.19 might give a little elucidation on this. 
Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Is that confusing? Does that sound? No, it's not. It's straight up. Straight up. Those who belong to God will turn away from wickedness. Now watch what Paul does with Titus 1, 15 through 16. Paul speaking to Titus on the island of Crete. He's running into these false teachers, people who are saying they're believers. Watch what he says. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled, defiled and unbelieving, that means to besmear with mud or filth. The unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience, seared conscience, are defiled, smeared, defiled. They profess to know God, the whole bunch there, but in their works, their life, they deny him being abominable, disobedient, disqualified, a docimos for every good work. I don't know if that word's a docimos, so don't take, I didn't look it up. So for every good work, do you see that? You can't just say you're in the family and live any way that you want with impunity and just thumb your nose at God and say, I don't care what you want, God, I'm going to do it this way. Take it or leave it. That's not going to work for you. That is not going to work for you. So, and again, be very, very careful on this judgment thing. We do not judge for condemnation as the church. We don't know the hearts of people. We do not. Only God knows that. We judge for identification. What does that mean? False teachers. There's false teachers. We want to identify them. People who say they're believers, but living like the world, you want to identify them and try to come up next to them, bring them into your world, but not allow them to take you into their world. That's how you minister to people. So many people want you to go into their world and experience their stuff. No, no. You bring them into your world and you tell them about Jesus and you befriend them. You treat them decently. Jesus' parables are to be heeded. They promote introspection and examination of one's life. The soils, good or bad. The wheat or the tares, genuine or not genuine. The mustard seed, it's going to grow throughout the world. The leaven, there are many phonies who claim to be in the kingdom of God. Jesus gave these four parables, and he's looking for truth seekers, for true hearers who believe in him. Now, let me finish with this. I believe that persecution for real, for real, is coming to the true church in America and in Europe and in Canada. They've already experienced more than we have here in this hemisphere. The good soil and wheat will stand firm for the faith, not cave in, and if need be, die for the faith. Now, I, I made a bold statement there because no one knows if you're going to stand or not. The only way that you will stand is with the Holy Spirit rod of iron up your spine, allowing you to stand. We're not Hercules. We aren't Samson. We, we are trepidant when we see these world changes. But folks, we want to take our stand and say, I will not be moved. This would have been a good place for the bull, wouldn't it? 
I will not be moved. I'm going to solid. I'm going to stand solid. The good soil, the wheat, stand firm, don't cave. The tares, the leaven will cave and blend with their person. Now listen to this. We know that many people will blend at the end with this false church, this false religious system, and believe that they are serving God. How, oh, how deception is taking hold of our land. It has taken hold of our land. Now, listen to, the, listen to what God says to the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, he talks about blessings and he talks about curses. And in the curse section in verse 28, he says, the, this, says this to the nation of Israel. If you allow the false gods to come in and dominate you, if you do not kick them out of the land like I've instructed you to, and you're influenced by them, this is what will happen to you. Now listen, America, as we've jettisoned the true God, this is what is happening to us. See if you identify this. The Lord will strike you with madness, with blindness and confusion of heart. I'm telling you, is there not madness in our government today? Is there not madness in our cities today? Is there not confusion in our cities today? Have, folks, God has spoken to you. Have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you today. Today. Have you received from God today? Question. Have you heard God speak to your spirit in one area of this talk or another? I know how people are in and out all the time in a talk. He has spoken to you something. If so, do what he is telling you to do. And may I cry out to you as the church of the living God, come out from among them and be separate. Be separate, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that you've given us your word as a guide for our life. Lord, if somebody here today really doesn't know you as their savior, they're a tear, they think they're saved or not saved, or they don't know anything about you. Lord, I pray today that you'll speak to their hearts. Today is the day of salvation. That's what your word says. Lord, you are, you, you are the one that orchestrates all of this stuff. We hear for a reason. We're here, or somebody here is over the airwaves for a reason. And Lord, I pray that today's the day that the person will say, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I need a Savior. Please save me, Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins, and I receive your gift of salvation. If, that, if you do that today, you can be saved. Saved from an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Which Jesus says, do whatever you can do to avoid that. Jesus tells us the truth. Father, for those who are half committed, don't know if they're a terror or, that, or whatever. Please, Lord, let this be the day where they say, no more. No more. I'm not going to live this in-between existence. Carnal Christians never know if they're really saved or not. They're kind of in that in-between land. Lord, may this be the day they say, I'm going to serve you all out. Thank you for this time together. Lord, help us to come out and be separate and to live for you in a world that is running from you. 
We can't do it in our strength. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.